Chapter 14 of A Game of Chance by a Self-Made Man This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 14 In which Will Summers learns some interesting facts of a conspiracy of which he was the intended victim. Will was as good as his word, and half an hour later reported to the ten-acre swamp lot with a liberal supply of plain food, which his mother had provided at his request, without asking any questions he could not answer. He had it wrapped up in a newspaper, the whole tucked into the folds of an old horse blanket. When Will struck the open space facing the bog where he had held his brief conversation with the disreputable son of Joe Brixon, he found no one in sight. He couldn't have gotten tired of waiting, for I wasn't so very long away, thought the kind-hearted boy as he transferred his bundle from one arm to the other. Well, it's his lookout, so while I'm waiting for him I'll take a look at the swamp. So he walked slowly along the edge of the quaking bog, examining its surface with the greatest attention and interest. He had taken care to gauge the original height of the marsh before he began to flood it, marking its level by means of sticks thrust horizontally out from the sides of the basin. By looking at these guides, he saw that so far the swamp itself had not risen to any noticeable extent. This was encouraging, though not conclusive evidence that the scheme would eventually be successful. The water was certainly forming on top of the matted grass. A hundred little pools were visible upon its surface, which looked very watery and glistening in the cold moonshine. I don't think I can find any reason to kick so far, mused Will with a sense of satisfaction. In another week, I hope to see a clear enough, though perhaps shallow, sheet of water above the grass. Well, the saying is, nothing ventured, nothing won. You have got to take chances in this world if you expect to do something worthwhile. At this point in his reflections, he fancied he heard the sound of voices somewhere near at hand. He was standing at the side of the swamp opposite the outlet where the dam was. He listened. It was the first of November, and the country air was quite still. There was scarcely a breath of air stirring, and the bare trees stood silent and motionless in the moonlight. "'Somebody's talking, all right,' said Will to himself, "'which is a pretty good sign he isn't alone. "'I wonder if that can be Rickson.' If so, who was he talking with? He seemed to be mighty scary about anyone knowing he was out here. Well, that's his business, not mine. Will walked on a little further, and the sounds grew plainer. That's Rickson talking for a fact. Evidently he's run across some friend he isn't afraid of. The boy sat down on the stump of a tree, and now the voices reached his ear quite plainly. Look here, Lewis, said Rickson roughly as if he was out of patience. I've stood your shilly-shallying long enough. I want that money you promised me if you don't stump up by this time tomorrow night. I'll not only find a means of letting your father know the truth of that matter, but I'll put Will Summers wise to the whole thing also. You wouldn't dare, ejaculated Jarvis, for it was indeed the son of the magnate of Northport, who was holding a converse with Ed Rickson in the shade of the trees. Wouldn't I? You evidently don't know me, young fellow. You see the trouble I've got into all on your account. I don't dare show my face lest I be arrested for the crime you intended to fasten on Will Summers. If you hadn't been such a fool that night when you broke into Summers' tool house to get those tools and let him recognize you, he never would have been able to throw suspicion in your direction. He came on me so suddenly that he took me by surprise. I suppose everybody was in bed and asleep, said Rickson in excuse. You should have waited an hour or two longer anyway. You spoiled everything by your haste. If the plan had succeeded, 
as I supposed it would when I proposed the thing to you when I met you in Gateville. I would have given you the money right away. It wasn't my fault you tangled things up the way you did. Well, I've earned the price we agreed on, and I'm going to have it, or somebody will have to suffer. That's all there is to it, said Ed Rickson doggedly. You haven't earned it for the scheme failed. Nobody outside my father believes Will Summers guilty of breaking into the governor's office, and I wouldn't be surprised if my father has his suspicions. You'll have more than that if you don't fork over that hundred dollars you promised me, said Rickson in a threatening tone. I'll give you twenty-five dollars tomorrow. No, you won't. You'll give me the hundred. You understand? I'm sorry I went into that thing anyway. Summers isn't a half-bad sort of chap. He pulled me out of the swamp here an hour ago, and I expect him back with some grub or something that I need as bad as any man alive. Next time you want any dirty work done, just look up somebody else to do it. If I was to give you away to Summers, he'd probably thump the stuffing out of you, and twould serve you right. He'd thump nothing out of me, sneered Lewis angrily. I hate the pauper. I'd, I'd have given a hundred dollars willingly to have seen him gone to jail. For a crime he is innocent of, eh? said Rickson with a sneer. You're a peach. That's none of your business, retorted his companion in an ugly tone. All right. Cough up a hundred dollars and we'll let it go with that. I'll let you have the papers back, and you can say you found them in the grass outside your house. If you fail me, young fellow, you'll find yourself in a heap of trouble. I'll have you arrested if you dare do anything like that, cried Lewis hotly. You will, you little monkey, exclaimed Rickson, grabbing him by the arm. I have a great mind to chuck you into the marsh. Let me go, will you? Are you going to fetch me that hundred dollars? His manner was so menacing that Lewis Jarvis yielded in his fright. Yes, I'll give it to you. Then see that you turn up here tomorrow night with the cash. If you try to trick me, I'll make you suffer in a way you won't soon forget. I'll get even with you some day for this, Ed Rickson. See if I don't said the young aristocrat darkly as he backed away. All right, my buck, but I advise you not to try it, said Rickson with a harsh laugh. Lewis muttered something under his breath and walked off under the trees. A moment later, Will Summers saw Rickson pushing his way through the bushes toward the open spot of their encounter an hour previous, so he rose from his seat and followed him. When Rickson came out into the moonlight, he discovered Will within a few yards of him. Hello! he said with a hungry glance at the bundle. You fetched the grub, have you? Let's have it. Will relinquished possession of the blanket and its contents. Rickson unrolled the bundle, cast the blanket on the ground, and attacked the package of food with the greediness of a famished hyena. Summers, we're all right, said Rickson with his mouth full. I wish I could return the compliment, replied Will coldly. You stole a hammer and chisel from our tool house for the deliberate purpose of getting me into trouble. Who says it did? replied Rickson with a malicious grin. I say so. You're off your base, Summers. Am I? Perhaps you'll not admit that Lewis Jarvis hired you to execute the job. Oh, exclaimed Rickson, evidently astonished at the extent of Will's knowledge on the subject. What put that into your head? No matter, replied Will coldly. Isn't it a fact? You're dreaming, boy. Look here, Rickson. I think I've treated you pretty white. I pulled you out of a bad hole and brought you a square feed. Why don't you own up? Nothing doing, grinned Ed. And I've got nothing more to say. 
said Will, turning on his heel and starting off. Edrickson allowed him to go without another word. A nice pair, he and Louis Jarvis, muttered Will as he walked slowly homeward. A rascally piece of business for the son of Northport's most prominent citizen, and such a reckless scamp as Ed Rickson to engage in. You're trying down a boy who never did either of them any harm. Rickson has that note in his possession, so I'll just give Constable Brady a quiet tip that these two conspirators have arranged to meet in the vicinity of the ten-acre swamp lot tomorrow night. It's not impossible that Lewis Jarvis may find that this little scheme is developed into a boomerang, which may land him and his side partner in jail on a very serious charge. It's a poor rule that doesn't work both ways. End of chapter 14